Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community, and policymakers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. Another week goes by, and another farm in this country sells to permanent forestry and taking advantage of the current ETS settings. In just a matter of weeks, more than 7,000 hectares alone have been sold to international companies for the sole purpose of farming carbon. One is the parent company of IKEA, and a Swiss company is another. You have to ask yourself the question, are the current ETS settings, and in particular, the unlimited offsetting opportunities, is in the best interest of New Zealand's future? This week, Gary Taylor from the Environmental Defence Society joins me to give his views on this all-important challenge we face. Hello, Gary. Thank you for joining me today. Welcome. Gary, can you tell me a bit about the Environment Defence Society and your role within the organisation? Yes, the the Environmental Defence Society, or EDS, uh, was founded about 50, well, 51 years ago, actually. Okay. Um, And it aimed to bring together the disciplines of law and science into uh, an advocacy organisation. Today we have have about 11 staff, most of whom are are lawyers, Mm -hmm. um, and we do three things. We litigate on environmental issues. Uh, We run conferences, and, and we've got a climate change and business conference coming up shortly. Uh, and we are a policy think tank. And your role within the organisation, Gary? I'm the CEO, so I kind of uh, delegate everything to everyone else. (laughs) Um, Today we are discussing afforestation in New Zealand. Firstly, the government is about to release a review of the National Environmental Standards for Plantation Forestry. What can we expect from that? And what would you like to see happen from the review, in particular around erosion and sediment from runoff? Well, I expect that the the NESPF will tighten up um, environmental performance from all forestry, including permanent forests. Um, I'm expecting there to be a shift towards uh, more requirement for uh, resource consents for forests rather than having permitted activity status, you know, everywhere. Mm. And I'm also expecting in conjunction with the um, uh, with the National Policy Statement on Freshwater Management, uh, a tightening of um, controls around erosion and sediment mm. um, and, and slash. Mm. Something I talk a lot about is the decimation of rural communities at the hands of permanent forestry, particularly when on large scale. Have you given much thought to that? Yes. I mean, my position is that I think that the the forest sector as a whole has had a bit of a free ride um, up till now uh, in terms of its environmental performance. Mm. And the the method of, um, uh, you know, clear felling, uh, forests at harvest um, at scale on particularly on steeper land um, is is a, a practice that needs to uh, needs to stop 
um, we need on, on the steeper and more erosion-prone land, we need to move more towards continuous cover forestry, which, of course, is the norm in Europe and, and should be here. I think that a lot of, a lot of um, not all, but a, a lot of uh, forests are not well managed. Um, the, uh, the planning is not good. Um, and the, the sector really needs to lift its game if it wants to maintain the social licence to operate. Mm. Do you think long term we'll see the reduction of rural communities because of afforestation? Well, I think that the, the uh, expansion of permanent carbon forests, mm. um, permanent exotic carbon forests, uh, does pose a threat to uh, to uh, small rural communities because they're essentially sort of plant and walk away forests, mm. Mm. Um, and uh, that's that's not good. I mean, you could say that you know a lot of uh, beef and lamb country might be on you know marginally economic uh, basis, but at least it does provide continuing employment. Um, so I think I think that this whole uh, notion of um, uh, you know large scale permanent exotic forests um, is something that we need to uh, we need to nip in the bud. Mm. And what about the ETS? Is it out of control in your mind? And do you think the government's decision to not ban permanent exotic forests from the ETS at this point in time is a good one? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I think um, I think it's. A, I mean, in the actually, it's it's a non-decision because what they've decided is to not make a decision at this stage and defer it. Kick the can um, down the road. Yeah, but the problem is the first of January, twenty twenty-three is coming around, mm. and unless there is a change, the default position will be. Uh, that permanent exotics will be enabled through the ETS. I don't think that's good, um, both for broader environmental reasons, but also, you know, the the too much um, carbon sequestration uh, really uh, mitigates against uh, real emission reductions. Mm. And the purpose of the ETS is to drive permanent um, real uh, gross emission reductions across the economy to decarbonise the economy. The purpose of the ETS is not to support, um, you know, a, um, a carbon forestry industry. That's an incidental element to it, a transitional element to it. Uh, I think the other problem too is that with too much um, uh, carbon farming, the the price is going to go down and the incentives to make real reductions are going to diminish as well. Mm. And that sort of leads me on to, I guess, a question around international companies, particularly petroleum-based companies that um, are buying up farms in this country and simply planting exotic forests to offset their emissions. Is that right and fair in your mind? Well, I think it depends on... Where's the incentive, though? Where's the incentive to actually uh, make change if those big emitters can just go and buy up a large farm and plant trees? Yeah, well, that's right. That is that is the question. And and um, uh, it's it's a get-out-of-jail-free card, isn't it, at least mm. for, a, for a period. Um, 
and and I think the the trick really is to drive hard for gross emission reductions and uh, the sequestration option should be something that's you know seen very much as a transitory uh, measure. Um, whether you think that overseas companies should be buying up New Zealand farmland and planting it uh, depends on what you think about overseas ownership, of course, which is not really an environmental issue. No, of course. I am, con I am concerned, however, that under the Overseas Investment Act, uh, there are decisions that are being made that are not in New Zealand's best interests. And, and that's a test that um, those applicants uh, need to pass. So I'm not convinced that that act is being administered properly by the Overseas Investment Office. Mm. And what about the farmer? Do you think farmers are getting fair recognition for their on-farm sequestration? And are you aware of the Hiwaki Kanoa programme? And of course, the Climate Change Commission has suggested that total on-farm sequestration is too difficult to measure. Now, I don't buy that. Have you have you given much thought to the farmer in that regard? Well, I think I think the commission, and I, I heard the commission, the commission chair speak on this a week ago. Um, the commission's position is that the the quantum of carbon that would be sequestered. Uh, that's presently outside of the ETS would be small, and the uh, the measurement would be difficult, and the compliance costs would be disproportionate. I think I think he's got an argument there. Um, I do, however, think that you know the more uh, the more that we can incentivise farmers to um, plant and restore native forest on their land particularly, you know, in the hill country, um, uh, the better. Mm. And the way to do that, I think, is to develop a, a positive incentive for them, a biodiversity grant program to enable them to um, uh, to get some early cash flow while they establish a native forest. And then, you know, after 15 or 20 years, when it's got through its sort of establishment phase, and is, is maturing, um, the carbon revenues could kick in at that point. Mm. And surely from a biodiversity perspective and a long-term benefit for New Zealand, I would have thought native vegetation would be a better option for us here in New Zealand. Well, absolutely. It um, it, it has, co you know, multiple benefits, including, habit, you know, habitat for uh, for native species, um, it, it has it has uh, landscape benefits. Um, it um, it's less it, it it has less risks in terms of fire and and disease mm. compared with exotic monocultures. Mm. Um, and um, you know, I think I mean the history of New of this country is that. Um, it took 80 million years for our indigenous forests to evolve in the absence of um, people. And in, in the past 800 or 900 years, a lot of that forest, particularly lowland forest, has been uh, uh, removed and, 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 you know, is farmed. And some of, that, some of that land quite properly could be restored back to native forest um, to uh, to provide those multiple benefits and and also to provide a revenue for farmers. I mean, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not blaming anyone here. Mm. I'm, I'm just saying that um, if, if farmers um, had uh, some incentives and some cash flow assistance to get native forests up uh, on parts of their farm where it would be suitable, then that would be a good thing for everybody. Of course, agriculture um, in New Zealand's primary industry plays such an important role in New Zealand's economy. It's finding a balance, isn't it, between ensuring that we can meet targets set for us, but also ensuring that farmers remain profitable and supply food to the world, which is so greatly needed. Sure. And and I think, um, you know, the whole future of farming is, is another discussion, isn't it, really? Because um, the, the uh, reliance on on uh, on meat and dairy is going to diminish over time as as new plant-based um, uh, diets become more attractive for a number of reasons um, and and so you know we're going to arguably need uh, less land to produce the same amount of food if we move in that direction but that's that's a, a discussion for another day I guess yeah it is and I'm not convinced on the plant-based food route, but you're right, that is another discussion. Gary, is there anything else policymakers should be considering when making decisions on the ETS and forestry settings in this country? Well, I think the trick really is to to lift um, uh, our thinking out of silos, out of the climate silo and out of the biodiversity silo and, and look at blended policy outcomes or settings that can work well for both. Um, and, and, and if you do that, you do uh, get to a point where um, uh, you, you start to think longer term, you know, beyond 2030 and beyond 2035, then you can see the need for, um, uh, for um, uh, you know, longer term uh, sequestration mm. through native forests and and perhaps even you know uh, uh, a native forest um, industry that could produce high quality um, native timber mm. on new plantings um, that would provide a you know an additional revenue stream on top of carbon and biodiversity grants. Mm. It's really interesting, Gary. Your time is appreciated. Thank you very very much for chatting with me today. Okay. Cheers. Thanks very much. It's important to remember that Gary leads an organisation driving for better environmental outcomes. The Environmental Defence Society is a non-profit organisation dedicated to achieving better environmental outcomes. They are not a farmer or industry-led group. They also see the problems with carbon farming. They don't actually drive or incentivise real change. Carbon farms are an exotic monoculture that decimate small rural communities and deprive them of jobs. And they impact this country's ability to produce food and impact the all-important export dollar. Another interesting point Gary made was how large areas of hill country are being stripped of stabilising vegetation for several years between forestry cycles. This is exacerbating runoff volumes and flooding as well as vastly increasing sediment loads entering the coastal marine area. Sediment from forestry, as it turns out, smothers and kills marine life. Forestry plays an important role in farming systems without question, but they have their place. And clearly, the forestry industry has some way to go 
to improve its own environmental footprint. That's all for me this week. Thank you for listening and catch you next time.